This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Schreier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network, back with you alongside my great friend and partner, Mr. Brent Beard, college football analyst for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. You probably saw Brent prior to Sunday night's matchup between LSU and FSU as a part of SCN's coverage down there. So let's get into it, Brent. Uh, it was kind of a weekend in the Southeastern Conference where if you didn't score 44 or more <laughs> points, you probably felt left out. You had 10 teams in the SEC score 44 or more. Three of the four that didn't lost games. Uh, the only team that did hit 44 mark, Missouri, uh, was able to win. So high scoring, I guess, even with the rule changes and the attempt to maybe quicken the game, uh, still a lot of points. Well, Trav, good to be with you, and and yes, quite a uh, scene that we'll get into in Orlando. Um, and, and you know what's interesting is uh, there are folks who have done uh, some quick results, uh, and it's a very small sample size. But the uh, uh, what this is averaged out to is the average Division One team is running around sixty six plays. Uh, last year they ran seventy. So, Trav, uh, for for all this consternation, uh, if my math is correct, that's only a difference of four. That's not much, is it? Yeah, it sounds like last weekend the four may have been uh, in punts. Uh, yeah, you didn't have really? SEC teams that seemed like doing that all that much uh, in week one. But what we're going to do is we typically do once we get into the regular season is we – we preview and review sort of simultaneously. And what we'll do is start with this Saturday's lineup. It is a non-conference Saturday for the Southeastern Conference. A lot of intriguing matchups. You're going to uh, learn more about those as we move along here. And it gets started late morning on Saturday. Mm-hmm. How about the ACC? The ACC said noon Eastern isn't early enough, Brent. <laughs> we need to kick games off at 11 a.m. Yeah. And so... That's what you have for a 2-0 Vanderbilt team heading to Winston-Salem to take on a Sam Hartmanless group of Demon Deacons. Wake Forest coming off a season-opening win of its own. Vandy is 2-0, and you, you never you never devalue that when you're talking about Vanderbilt football. But it still feels like this is a team trying to figure some things out. The, the performances against Hawaii and last weekend against Alabama, Alabama A&M. I'm sure Clark Lee is wanting to see more from his football team. He's going to need more going on the road against a formidable opponent. Yeah, he really is. But if Vanny could win this game uh, with UNLV coming up next week on the road, uh, again, two on the road for the Commodores, man, they could start 4-0, which would be great for them. Cedric Alexander uh, certainly playing well. I think they uh, probably need to get him the uh, uh, the ball a little bit more. Uh, so it, he has certainly been impressive. Uh, but yes, um, I mean it. It is 
Uh, AJ Swan, I think, has been fairly consistent at this point. So, Travis, I can't, I can't help but laugh at this. But if you've got if you've got an eleven o'clock kick, that means you're you're up and having that pregame meal by what seven or eight o'clock or something like yeah. that. It will be an early early morning for the Commodores. You know that can go both ways. It can lead to a sluggish start. Yeah. But I think if I'm a road team, I like it early because mm-hmm. it doesn't give that home crowd a real chance. Right. to get ramped up as much as if you were playing 3.30 Eastern or certainly into the early evening hours. So I guess an argument can be made both ways uh, when you're in this situation, but we love it. Uh, we're fine. Brent and I, we're fine. You want to kick off at 7 a.m. Absolutely. Old heads. We can get up 5.30, 6 o'clock, whatever you need us to do <laughs> to watch some live college football. But Vanderbilt and Wake, that's an early one coming up on Saturday morning. Also in the early window this Saturday, Poor Ball State, man. I guess the the checks are really good. <laughs> yeah. Ball State picked up one in Lexington to take a, a thumping last weekend, and now it's on to Athens, where Ball State will take on a Georgia team last weekend in its season opener, Brent. I would say a sluggish start, uh, certainly offensively. I think defensively, you pretty much saw what you expected from that side of the ball at this point under Kirby Smart, but... I would guess that a faster start uh, and more consistent play on the offensive side of the ball is going to be the objective for Mike Bobo's unit in week two. Yeah, and there's an unusual amount of injuries, I believe, that's going on here, too, for Georgia. Uh, Brock Bowers is uh, banged up. Uh, Ladd is out. Uh, Jack Sane is out, hoping that they can get those guys back. you and I have talked about the running back situation and all the injuries that they've got uh, at running back. Now, uh, some people say, and, and there's probably some truth to this, that they they were probably bored uh, in the first quarter last week. But but again, um, uh, you're really you've got a lot of new faces here uh, with this team, including Carson Beck. Uh, but hey, uh, hey, Trev. Have we have we heard this before? Georgia fans already all over Mike Bobo, uh, the offensive coordinator who has been to Georgia a few times, and this is his latest trip there. Uh, so, uh, but look, I think they'll be fine. They've still got some things to iron out. Certainly, they've got off the field issues. Jarvis Jones, one of their staff, uh, goodness gracious. Uh, that was another traffic situation that that he's arrested for. Uh, but again, schedule continues to be kind to the dogs. A little test next week with South Carolina, but uh, they they still had over 500 yards, 12 explosive pass plays. So George is still coming around. Yeah, uh, Bobo, it's going to be tough for him with that fan base. He, had three quarterbacks combined for nearly 400 passing yards in the yeah. win over Tennessee Martin last weekend. And uh, he's still going to hear grumblings from yes. that fan base. So as we move on into the afternoon hours for Saturday, the Colonels of Eastern Kentucky going to make that short trip to Lexington and talk about picking up a paycheck. That'll be the case for Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's an SEC Network Plus game. Uh, we talked about the Ball State 
matchup a little bit just a few moments ago. Sounds like the Devin Leary start at UK got off to a good start. Same for Ray Davis, the former yes. Vanderbilt uh, running back who went over 100 yards in that game. Uh, and this is a guy that you mentioned several months ago that people need to look out for. Uh, and he certainly was one of the stars. Uh, Leary, 18 of 31, 241, touchdown and an interception. So things were a little bit slow for them, too. I tell you what's not slow, Trav, is Baron Brown, right? Uh, had that uh, kickoff return. Uh, l- listen, this one of those guys, and we saw it last year, you give him a little bit of space, and he can be a uh, game changer, uh, to say the least. So uh, Kentucky off to a pretty good start. That that will continue. But, boy, Travis, if they can stay healthy with those weapons, I wonder, could they make some noise in October, November this year compared to all those injuries in the offensive line struggling last year? Yeah, we've talked about it in the past. Kentucky's one of those teams in the SEC you worry more about being able to sustain the quality of the roster over the course of a long season. And sometimes it works out where an Ole Miss, let's say, is able to do that. Uh, Sometimes it works out where a Kentucky is able to do that. But the month of November can be especially rough for teams like Kentucky, Ole Miss, uh, a few others as attrition starts to take hold of some of these teams. So at 3.30 Eastern on ABC this Saturday afternoon, one of those matchups we've been waiting for. Texas A&M traveling to Miami Gardens to take on the Hurricanes of Miami. Connor Wiegman, quality start last week. Uh, the weapons that you anticipated showing up for A&M in that game, that win over New Mexico, I would say that was pretty much the case. And a game coming up against Miami where, again, Wiegman at quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback for Miami. Um, Going to be a lot of speed, going to be a lot of talent on the field. Uh, I guess it's up front, Brent, where the Aggies yeah. might have the big advantage in this one. I don't think there's any, da- any doubt about that. I mean, the line of scrimmage, defensive line with guys like Walter Nolan, A&M's got three of the better interior guys. But, but, but Trav, my, my big thing with this is, uh, and I know they brought in some transfers, the Canes did, uh, in that secondary, but my stars, can they keep up with this wide receiver room uh, at A&M? And, and the, Bobby Petrino has been a pretty good, smooth start so far, called a good game. Uh, offensively, I know Shannon Dawson is the new offensive coordinator at Miami. They're more of an air raid type situation. Uh, but, but look, I, I, I know it's going to be 330. It's going to be really hot in Coral Gables. I could see A&M being able to play a smash-mouth game on the line of scrimmage if they needed to do it. Um, but, but, Trav, I'm not real sure, and I think Miami can hang in for a while, but I don't think the Canes can match them if it gets to be a track meet. No, they need it to be similar to what the game was a year ago yes. in College Station. Uh, keep this thing ugly for as long as possible. I know that sounds crazy because, look, it's not like Miami doesn't have capable skill people. And I think Henry Paris Jr., uh, the back uh, previously of the SEC for Miami, uh, could be an X factor for Miami on the offensive side. But uh, I just think too many weapons ultimately. And then the quality of the lines of scrimmage. And this is a game 
where Miami has questions on that offensive line and seemingly has for a few years now with the talent that A&M has stockpiled up front. Five former five stars in that front seven. This is a game where that should show up in favor of Jimbo Fisher's club. Also at 3.30 Eastern on Saturday, ESPN2. You talk about potential for a points fest. How about Ole Miss and Tulane getting together in NOLA? Michael Pratt at the quarterback position for Tulane. Jackson Dart countering for the Ole Miss Rebels. Quinshawn Judkins in the backfield, of course, for Ole Miss. Uh, And I think Ole Miss saw what it wanted to see, right, out of one of its new additions at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. And and, uh, uh, basically all three of the quarterbacks got in uh, and did a little bit. Trey Harris, four touchdown catches. Quinshawn Junkins, uh, also in the end zone, too. So I give him a lot of credit for that. I think this is a pretty good test for Ole Miss, and we mentioned Trey Harris, and trying to keep a handle on him uh, also is not going to be easy. Listen, I like Pratt. I I think Pratt's a good quarterback. Uh, Frankly, uh, he was, my stars, he was 14 of 15, Trav, 300 yards, four touchdowns, AAC Offensive Player of the Week. So, uh, now, I still think Ole Miss could win a track meet here, certainly on the road. The game is in New Orleans, uh, which would be interesting. And, and look, people may not realize this Tulane team is a good program. I, they've, they've been, I think Fitz has done a, a nice job there. They've got more talent than people think. But, again, nice road game for the Rebels uh, that will get them prepared for uh, – they got Georgia Tech and Alabama in two weeks. Some more action within the Southeastern Conference coming up this week. This one at 4 p.m. Eastern as Arkansas in Fayetteville hosts Kent State on the SEC Network. Uh, kind of expected what you got from Arkansas against an FCS opponent in Western Carolina last week. K.J. Jefferson throws for 246. Really didn't need to see much from Rocket Sanders in a game like that. Uh, but now the stakes go up a little bit, although, again, Arkansas should roll to 2-0 and in this one. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I think they've got... Uh, Dan Enos is kind of getting his uh, thumbprint on this team uh, at this point. I mean, look, anytime that Arkansas can uh, score 56 points. Uh, and, and by the way, Trav, people may not, they may have forgotten this, that Western Carolina team coached by one Kerwin Bell uh, yep. of, of uh, Florida Gator fame. The throwing Mayowen. Kerwin <laughs> yeah. Uh, now they they held Rocket Sanders only 42 yards last week, but uh, not worried about that because I think we know he's going to be able to uh, uh, to come around. But look, uh, Arkansas needed what they got in Western Carolina, Kent State. Uh, it, Travis ramps up to put it mildly. BYU, LSU, A&M, and Ole Miss and Alabama are next. Goodness gracious! Yeah, it gets real. It gets real for the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks after this week. Austin P picking up a check in Knoxville this weekend. Tennessee, very impressive. 
little bit sluggish, maybe. Had some empty possessions there in the first half of that thumping of Virginia, but hard to really find much else that you didn't like about the Vols in that win in Nashville over uh, a Cavaliers team, obviously, just overcoming the most, or trying to overcome or deal with the most unthinkable of tragedies that hit Charlottesville a year ago. So, uh, Tough situation for Virginia to to go into to to open the season for a multiple multitude of reasons, but also credit to Tennessee taking care of business, looking like a legitimate contender within the SEC East in the process, Brent. Well, the, the thing that impressed me about this was actually their defense, and we've been a, a rather critical of them, and I think some of that is is deserved from what they did last year, but for this year. Uh, James Pierce Jr., uh, who was mostly reserved last year, had two sacks. And also Tyler Barron had two sacks. So they had four uh, that they were able to do. So, uh, I, I, and look, I, we know it's Virginia. We know Virginia is just trying to, uh, uh, to really get going this season after the tragedy last year. But I will say, uh, for, for my part on Tennessee, it would be – that defense looking better. They've got the Gators next week after Austin P. Uh, so look, if if Travis, they can pressure the quarterback and be able to do some good things there, uh, we could really see a contender in this team this year. Yeah, and we're going to learn more when that true road game in Gainesville comes up. And I know we're going to talk about Florida in just a minute and the disappointment the Gators endured out in Salt Lake City, but that has been a house of horrors down in the swamp for Tennessee in the past, and I'm sure Josh Heupel isn't going to take anything for granted, regardless of what he saw and his staff saw and even his players saw from the rival Gators in its opener uh, down out in Salt Lake. So we get into the true primetime hours and the matchup of the day in all of college football for this week. Texas at Alabama, Quinn Ewers versus Jalen Milrow. You've got these lines of scrimmage that are massive for both of these teams. And, you know, Alabama in the win over MTSU last Saturday night in Tuscaloosa pretty much did what it needed to do. Not a lot of flair, not a lot of different looks or giving away too much. And really it's offensive or defensive plans in that win over MTSU Brent, but businesslike and, I think most importantly, just about mistake-free. What, two penalties for Alabama yeah. in the game, yeah. no turnovers? That's that's where it needs to start for this team, right? Well, uh, that's the thing that impressed me the most, uh, that you, you didn't have these pre-snap penalties. You didn't have a lot of this, uh, uh, a lot of uh, pass interference calls. Uh, they were efficient. Uh, I thought Jalen Milrow was, frankly, incredible uh, compared – we just didn't know what we would expect. But 13 of 19 for 194 and three scores passing, uh, two rushing, very impressive. The Alabama offensive line uh, I thought was solid overall. Got a lot of guys in <clears throat> that that made a, a big difference. Uh, I don't think Deontay Lawson's been blocked yet, Trav, in, in – uh, uh, I, I know you raved up at him some during the uh, summer and during the scrimmages about what he could be. But that's the thing for me that, that caught my eye was probably more what didn't happen uh, as far as penalties and turnovers, Trav, than what did happen. 
Yeah, that that was the that was the start they needed, and it, that's that's what it is. It's a start, and for Jalen Miller, obviously, exactly what he needed. I think with Tommy Reese in there as the offensive coordinator, uh, it's going to benefit Jalen and that offense in terms of how he's going to be used. And I think this week we're more likely to see designed quarterback runs for Jalen Milrow because I think this Texas defense, if you just try to line up and run your backs from a traditional sense, the game in Austin last year was a slugfest up front. I think, you know, you had Jason McClellan with the long touchdown run in the first quarter of that game, but otherwise it was tough sledding for he and Jameer Gibbs. So I think for both teams, it's going to be difficult. And with that, it's going to be on Quinn Ewers to hit some throws down the field, something he didn't do against Rice in Texas's season opener uh, last week. And, you know, while Jalen did do it against MTSU, I don't know if it went that far in discouraging Texas from saying, okay, let's see if you can do it against us. Because even with Bryce Young last year, the the Alabama passing game struggled with those receivers. Uh, oh, yeah. Xavier Worthy, seven catches for 90 yards and and a day Mitchell coming in from uh in making his presence known also heard from a uh, a coach who's familiar with Texas yesterday and thought that Bama still had an edge uh as far as the roster is concerned just frankly thought they still had better players now Texas is getting there under Sark uh, at this point, too, uh, and, and Trav, a real big deal for Bama uh, on third down or, or two or less, had a lot of success against MTSU. The question is, and you remember well because you were there, uh, Alabama's offense, what was it six straight, three and out, something that they certainly want to stay away from Saturday night. I'll tell you what. The kickers never get enough love, but keep an eye on these two guys in this one. Will Reichert for Alabama, Burt Auburn for Texas. Both very good at what they do. And as we know, the game a year ago uh, came down to some, not only the kick at the end, but some kicks uh, throughout the game. So we talk about MTSU this week for Rick Stockstill's team. It is a trip to Columbia, Missouri after going to Tuscaloosa last weekend. Mizzou hosts MTSU this Saturday night, 7 Eastern SEC Network Plus, and I'd say a good opportunity right here for Mizzou to get to 2-0 and and one they need to take advantage of, kind of similar to Arkansas, right? When you get these opportunities, especially at home, you better make good on them because we all know what's coming down the road. Yeah, well, there's no doubt, and uh, Brady Cook, uh, (laughs) there was a lot of talk about uh, where's the quarterback situation going? Well, Cook's kind of taking that under control. It's not that they don't have good capable guys. They've got a good quarterback room, but we thought that he might come out and, and that would make a difference. And I'll tell you what, again, I give them a lot of credit. They have really gotten serious about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and Travis, their front seven uh, can be nasty when they want to be. So that that's something to look at for Missouri and obviously, they are going to uh, to need them in the next few weeks with Kansas State, uh, Memphis, Vandy, and LSU coming up. Yeah, and MTSU, as we saw against Alabama, is going to try to spread the field and work yeah. more of the sideline-to-sideline approach. And defensively, MTSU is not going to allow 
Mizzou just to line up and pound Clay Schrader uh, in the run game. It's going to take Cook and getting the ball to burden on the outside and trying to have some balance for Mizzou to build some momentum in this one. 7.30 Eastern on Saturday night, ESPNU. The Cowboys of McNeese State pay a visit to Florida to take on a Gator team, Brent, as we saw last Thursday night. Uh, the offense, once again, too much of the storyline for the wrong reasons. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit on the last episode of Second Helping, so not a real need to go in-depth on reviewing Florida and Utah, but with what's coming up for Florida, uh, need to build some confidence, play a lot of guys, I continue to reach a comfort level because there is still a a big sense of newness with this Florida offense as far as personnel is concerned. Yeah, there should be a uh, a, a get well game. McNeese gave 50, gave up 52 points to Tarleton State last week, but still, uh, Gator fans certainly want to see uh, a lot more. I still think the strength of this team is a running game. Uh, they threw it 44 times, ran it 21. That, frankly, needs to be uh, uh, reversed uh, because they've got a good uh, running back room, and that's going to be a, a big thing for them. Tennessee comes in next week, so they need to get a lot of these things straightened out. I, I told the Putnam County Gator Club last night that for anyone wanting to get rid of Billy Napier anytime soon, it's going to cost a measly $31 million trial for that buyout, by the way. And I don't think anyone in that administration is wanting that to happen. But uh, they've got to give the ball more to guys like Eugene Wilson, uh, who they really like uh, and they're excited about. And again, Austin Armstrong doing a good job with the defense. So that this really needs to be a get-well game as far as Florida is concerned. Got to get the football to Etienne and Johnson, too, Yeah, running backs, you know. You want to help protect an offensive line that was shaky at best Ooh. in Salt Lake? Uh, that could help those guys uh, as well. Also, at 7.30 Eastern on Saturday night, SEC Network Plus, a limping LSU team set to open its home schedule against Grambling. Boy, you were there. You were in Orlando on Sunday night. It looked like for about a quarter, a quarter and a half, LSU was the better football team. But then when the table switched and you kind of get a feel for a team's chin early in the season, LSU just did not handle it well. And all the credit in the world to Mike Norvell and yes. Jordan Travis. And that's a very, very talented team and made a strong case when it comes to mining the transfer portal, not just in terms of quantity, but quality. Uh, you're sifting through gold or you're trying to sift for gold. And it looks like Mike Norvell has found more than a few. And he's also got, again, he's got that veteran quarterback uh, who feels like he can play as well as anybody in the country at that spot. Uh, Trav, they've got two wide receivers right now. Johnny Wilson at 6'7", and this Keon Coleman, uh, who what we had heard for months was maybe the best wide receiver. And they really took advantage of some questions in that LSU secondary that they've got to be able to firm up. Jaden Daniels overall was okay. I mean, he made some mistakes. And I think, Trev, there were two times in that first half where uh, the uh, uh, LSU offensive staff 
really took gambles going on fourth down. FSU, for their credit, uh, held and did not allow the conversion yeah. on that. So, and look, LSU still got dudes. We know that. And they'll eventually be able to work a lot of this out. But, uh, I, look, I, I'm wondering if you saw the, what I saw in the third and fourth quarter, Trav. FSU won the line of scrimmage. Yes. This is something we weren't sure that was going to happen. But FSU's got uh, the most seasoned offensive line in the nation. They have the most starts. But I, it, to me, the, that was what was startling as much as anything else is FSU just having their way in the trenches. Yeah, and even with Mason Smith not playing in the game for LSU, I mean, you still had Harold Perkins to deal with. Yeah. You still had Makai Wingo to deal with. And I think Wingo was a factor early in the game, but not so much anyone on that no. side of the football for LSU in the second half as the Knowles went on that 31-7 run to close out the Tigers also, 7.30 Eastern on Saturday night, SEC Network, we've got Arizona at Mississippi State. This is the return game from a year ago out in Tucson where the Bulldogs got the job done. The official start to the Zach Arnett era in Starkville underway last Saturday night. And by all accounts, a feel-good performance from the Bulldogs, Brent, in game one under Zach Arnett. Uh, look, I, I thought they came out and did fine, and we knew they were going to change their offensive philosophy a bit, and guys like Creed Whittemore uh, it really stepped up and played well. His brother, Trent, uh, th- th- they were certainly have been associated with Florida there, but Kevin Barbet's offense came through, I thought, and played well, and that the offensive line did too. Uh, this is a physical team. It's a veteran team. And, and look, uh, we were talking about Missouri a few minutes ago. Travis, their front seven on defense uh, as far as experience mm-hmm. and willing to lay it on the line and hit people, uh, they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, they've got LSU coming up next week in a really uh, very interesting sneaky game, maybe below the radar uh, that, that I think is going to be very important for them that they've got to be careful with Arizona this weekend, but could state be better than we thought they might be? Well, and you talk about that front seven and you think about that matchup with LSU, if LSU doesn't make some strides up front yeah. before that matchup with Mississippi state, yeah, that could be a classic yeah. SEC 17, 13 game, something in that neighborhood instead yeah. of these 44 plus games uh, points what we've had uh, in week one. Let's talk about Furman and South Carolina and a matchup of a 1-0 and team against an 0-1 team. And it's South Carolina that is yeah. on the wrong side of that deal following its disappointing loss in Charlotte to the North Carolina Tar Heels. So uh, where does Carolina go from here? Obviously, this is a game that you expect to win, but as you pointed out now for a couple weeks, there's the big one on the schedule coming up in not too much time away. Uh, well, they've got Georgia on the radar. Trev, I think where they start, and, and, and boy, uh, uh, imagine being in that offensive line room, North Carolina, <clears throat> nine sacks, 14 tackles for loss. Uh, look, when Spencer Rattler had some time, um, I, I think he did okay. They've got to get some of their – um, uh, skilled people uh, healthy like 
like juice wells for instance but boy and, and look i i give uh, gene chiswick some credit the north carolina d coordinator they were terrible last year uh but they've made some real changes man they only had 17 sacks last year had nine against south carolina so and then they lose muhammad kaba uh, their linebacker for the rest of the year with a knee injury so trev that there is but mentally and physically south carolina really beaten up saturday night and they really need to see Furman right now yeah and they need a w before they get the dogs in athens Late night in the Pac-12, uh, some would say it's appropriate that a Hugh Freeze coach <laughs> team plays late yeah. night after dark. Uh, this one at 1030 Eastern <laughs> on ESPN as the Auburn Tigers travel to Cal to take on the Bears. One and O teams in this one. Uh, this is a this is a tough matchup. This isn't a gimme yeah. uh, for Auburn. I know Cal and uh, some years has been down. I, I wouldn't say that's the case right now under the current regime, uh, but Peyton Thorne, a solid debut for Auburn a week ago against an inferior opponent. And what about red zone Robbie Ashford? And yes. how he was used in that game, Brent? Uh, I, I thought that they used the quarterbacks well. They played well, um, 59 points. Uh, I'm with you that that's going to be interesting um, that's got to be one of the latest starts in Auburn history, frankly, uh, in that game. But all in all, I, I thought the line of scrimmage, which has been my thing for Auburn the whole year, uh, I think they did okay, uh, certainly on, on both sides. And as they continue to grow, that's going to be very fascinating, too. Uh, still a lot of questions about Jarquez Hunter. I mean, he's going to be back at some point and be able to help them. But, yes, I I, I thought, uh, frankly, uh, that Freeze did a pretty good job with both quarterbacks um, and, and certainly keeping Ashford uh, involved. Um, I'm sure there's some concern about uh, Peyton Thorne and just, just do some of those guys in that quarterback room try to, uh, to, to leave. But uh, he kept Ashford uh, plugged in, uh, and he, he looked like he's going to be a real handful at times. So, uh, again, uh, we understand the competition, uh, and the after after Cal for Auburn, uh, they've got Sanford, obviously, but then things really get ramped up at that point. So, so a nice start for the Tigers uh, at home. Yeah, Cal put 58 on North Texas on the road yeah. last weekend, and – uh, Justin Wilcox got him a nice little coaching staff out yeah. there at Cal. Peter Sermon is his defensive coordinator, inside linebackers coach. Jake Spavital, previously of uh, the SEC and Texas A&M, is his right. offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So uh, this is a real test coming up for mm-hmm. Auburn on the road late Saturday night. Well, there you go, Brent. We have worked through the entire slate for the upcoming weekend. Always a lot of fun. Always a lot of info and insight from Brent Beard. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here? Uh, Trev, the, uh, uh, I think folks need to get a quick summation uh, of Pops and his Florida Gators and his mindset right now. Pops is all in on Prime. That's where <laughs> Pops is at after week one. He has told all of us in the family that he is officially team prime and Colorado buff football. Didn't really talk about the Gators that much, 
But he did say he will make Prime in Colorado appointment television from this point <laughs> forward. He said he's going to be camped out this Saturday All right. when, uh, when CU takes on Nebraska. Yeah. He said he knows that's the one game he will watch this weekend. How about Prime, man? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, Prime yeah. and Pops. Sounds yes. like a new, uh, a new sitcom maybe we could put together with those two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and look, they – they certainly deserve credit. And, and Trev, would it, the, the, the way that Nebraska is playing, losing another tight game, uh, would, it, would it shock you at all if Prime in, in, uh, in the buffs or 2-0 and Saturday night? No, that was just a brutal loss uh, for was, Matt Rule and the Huskers oh. at Minnesota last week. Oof. Yeah, there's... There's games you, you just lose, and then there's games that you kind of just give away. That's right. And uh, that's what that one felt like. And, and Trev, I, I've got to mention in about 20 seconds, boy, what a job that Mike Elko has done at Duke. Yeah. Um, Trev, uh, that was no fluke, was it? No, Duke is no fluke. The win over Clemson. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, and we, are, we won't get deep into it, but uh, Dabo and his – uh, preference to not dabble yes. in the transfer portal uh, has really put him under fire. It has uh, since the week. The the and and I think that'll even be on display more uh, when Clemson gets FSU coming up here yeah, in a few yeah. weeks. So the disparity could be pretty pretty glaring. So Brent, we'll look forward to doing it again next week. Always a lot of fun here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you for joining us. Until next time, so long, everybody.